welcome everyone to the Resilient Leadership Podcast, where everything we talk about is aimed at helping you lead with a greater sense of calm, clarity, and conviction, even in anxious times. My name is Irvin Nugent, and as always, I'm so happy to be joined by my co-host and collaborator, Bridget Tyre. Bridget, how are you doing today? Well, Irvin, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. It's so nice to be here with you. I've been really looking forward to our conversation. And we've got an interesting and highly relevant topic on tap. And uh, so, so tell our listeners what it is. Yeah, well, Bridget, I don't know about you, but this is something that I am hearing more and more and more about in the coaching sessions that I have with my clients. And so today's episode is all about this feeling of overwhelm from an onslaught of information. And what I'd like to do is really explore, is is it getting worse? Is this antidotal or actually is there evidence that it's getting worse? And really what impact does it have in our behavior? And really what can we do about it? Mm -hmm. You know, we have mentioned that acronym VUCA in other episodes, right? Volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. To me, this topic is about complexity. Yeah, because there's just so much more information we have to sort through. We have to figure out if it's important. You know, we get inundated and there's so much that goes into even sometimes a simple decision or choice. So I couldn't agree with you more. And at a gut level, it feels like it's getting worse to me because it also comes up in the coaching sessions that I'm having and in my own life. But like, is there any evidence to suggest Yes, I have explored this. And indeed, there is evidence. You know, when you just think about it, like the growth of the Internet, television is 24 hours now, our mobile phones. Actually, we receive five times more information every day than we did in 1986. Just think about that. That's just barely what, 20, 20, almost 30 years ago. And that really pales into significance when we think about all of the emails and the social network sites and the texting that we have. And so, you know, every day the average uh, person produces six newspapers worth of information compared with just two 24 years ago. That's like a 200 fold increase. And, you know, when you think about kind of modern life, I I love this one, you know, a single edition, a Sunday edition of the New York Times contains more information than a typical person in the 19th century faced in their entire lifetime. You know, when you think about that, it just uh, really puts it into context. And I just also found a couple of surveys as well with which highlighted this, that 36% of managers report that poor health is due to excessive information that they're required to process in the workplace. That's over a third. And then 68% of those managers felt that information overload had a negative impact on their personal and professional relationships. So it's not just a gut feeling. There's hard evidence that we are actually processing more information. We are feeling overloaded with that information and it's impacting our behaviors and it's impacting our lives. Mm. Well, for sure, it's impacting our resilience, right? We talk Mm. about the capacity to lead with calm, clarity, and conviction. It's kind of hard to do that when you feel buried underneath a mound of never-ending, constantly streaming information. So I definitely relate to this. I just got off a coaching session earlier today with a woman who was talking about this very thing, you know, that she was feeling incredibly overwhelmed. 
and that so much information was coming at her from so many different sources that she felt almost paralyzed by it. And she just thought, well, I'm in true survival mode now. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to hang on as best I can. But she was really feeling the effects of this. So I think it's highly relevant. And I'm guessing our listeners are shaking their heads. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Irvin, what about the neuroscience behind this? Is there anything you've been reading about that you think can help us unpack this a little bit? Yeah. I mean, the first thing is to, I think, just really acknowledge how large the information pool out there is. You know, where do we normally go if we're looking for information? We all Google it. You know, this is where we go to. It's our, our, you know, Google's our friend. And yet every day around 2.5 quintillion bytes is produced on the website. New bytes. That's, That's a one with 18 zeros. Almost impossible to think about. You know, the other day I was looking for a movie on Netflix and kind of you go and you kind of think, oh, there's so much choice. And then there's thousands. What do you, and then you, there's all the other streaming uh, videos. You know, it would actually take, I, I love this, 47 million years <laughs> to watch all the videos that are out there. And so, you know, we, we're founded as a nation on choice is good. However, you know, too much choice can actually paralyze as well. And so, you know, information overload, what do we mean when we say that? It's actually the state of feeling overwhelmed by just the volume of information to point at. And really what happens is we come away feeling more confused rather than knowledgeable about a certain topic. And it can impact us with brain fog and and ultimately with difficulty making decisions. So... (laughs) Bridget, I know we've talked about this. So what actually is happening in the brain, therefore, when we come in and we've got all this information just coming at us really minute by minute every day? Yeah, well, you know, as you said, there are some some interesting and helpful facets of this that we have at our disposal, this amazing thing called the Internet. And we have a question. We just ask it and we get all these amazing answers at our fingertips. Right. And we wouldn't want to go back to not having that. However, from a brain perspective, there's some real challenges with too much information coming at us. It impacts not only our memory, but our emotional well-being, which I think is interesting. I mean, you already alluded to that, right? With people feeling a sense of overwhelm and it affecting their emotional uh, well-being. So when you look inside the brain, what we see is it turns out there is an optimal volume in terms of information that we can process that we can hold in our working memory. And when the information that we're dealing with exceeds that, there's some pretty significant repercussions for that in terms of our ability to comprehend material, to learn it, to focus our concentration, to problem solve, and to make decisions. I mean, I think that's the crux of it for leaders is how do we make decisions and how do we find that sweet spot between making sure we're thoughtful and we have enough information to ground the decision, but we don't get lost in it and never make the decision at all. And it also turns out, interestingly, that there's a link between information overload and the arousal of the amygdala. So when we've got too much information coming at us, there's an increase in the activity of the amygdala. Mm -hmm. And we know that the amygdala is one of the centers that has to do with emotion and has to do with threat detection. So you can easily see how we can start to feel under siege 
that our stress levels would rise, that our anxiety levels would peak once the information we're trying to deal with has exceeded that optimal volume that the brain, right, really likes. And then I think this is maybe the most interesting thing to me, that the amygdala regulates negative emotion and negative self-concept. In other words, our ability to keep negative thoughts and self-appraisals in check. And this might diminish when our working memory is overtaxed. So it's not just that we become perhaps less skillful problem solvers and less skillful decision makers, but our own self-concept can be affected by this dilemma that we're talking about. I find that interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. It's almost like we were so hard on ourselves that I, I, we set ourselves up for failure. And then all of a sudden that impacts even our own esteem about what we're able to do and not able to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is obviously a relevant challenge for everybody, you know, whomever we are, whatever role that we have, the information that we're exposed to, as you said, is just astronomical. I can't believe that fact about it would take us 47 years to watch all the movies out there. 47 million say? years. Well, I, I, that's what I meant. 47 months. Okay, we better yeah. start binging now. <laughs> that's, one, that's one hell of a binge, so it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what does this look like, you know, in the workplace or yeah. at home for that matter? What do you think? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I think that let's just look kind of at a big macro level. And I think one of the things that we're seeing, and I, I just hear this time and time again, too much information is being shared in the workplace. People are feeling sieged, overwhelmed. And what's the problem is that, is that not all of that information, in fact, tiny bits of it are actually relevant. So we're, we're seeing lots of irrelevant information exchange at work. And then there's this lack of alignment between the discussions going on and what's important and a lack of alignment between what's really the vision and where we should go. So people are, are really dealing, dealing with this. And, and I think behaviors that we see, I think the first one is, is multitasking. That multi people actually feel I need to multitask. If I can't multitask, I cannot be successful because, and it's almost worn with a, with a, a kind of a badge of pride of honor. You know, I've got five things and I'm managing them and, and people are wonderful. And it, it's just, it's just really the science is saying, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You may think that you are a brilliant multitasker. You may think that you're able to balance things so wonderfully. But really what's happening, of course, is that the brain loves to focus on individual and single tasks. And what we know, and there's been a lot of research on this, is that when we jump from task to task, which invariably happens, you know, I hear this all the time. Well, I was doing kind of, I'm working on this report, which I have to write, and then I get an email. And of course, the temptation is what I do. Look at that email, of course, or else there's a text message comes up or else we see someone walking by and we want to meet them. And so we're all distracted. And so we move to that and we think that we're seamlessly moving back after seeing that email. But of course, we're not. What, what happens is that it actually takes 10 to 24 minutes. Think about that. 10 to 24 minutes mm. to return to full focus on the task. And I even see this. I even see this. one of my problems is I'll read a book. And of course, now I'm reading the book on iPad, right? Yeah. And I get to the book and and I did this the other day. And there was like something that mentioned someplace. And I'm thinking, 
I've never heard that place. Let me think about that. So then I go and I pull up a browser. And <laughs> now like I, my husband. <laughs> I know, and then I'm reading about the place. Except, and like 30 minutes later, I said, oh, I'm reading the book. Let me go back to the book. And so it's just this, this incessant wanting to know and more information coming in and the distraction. And of course, then the second behavior that we need to talk about is that that's destroying our performance. Because each and every day, we are spending an inordinate amount of time trying to find information and that will answer questions or information that will help us complete our work. And of course, the question is, when is enough enough? And we've become very poor at answering that yeah. because the solution is not outside of us because there will never be enough. There will always be more information. There will always be another article. There will always be something that we can do. And so this impacts, therefore, our ability really just to batten down and, and make decisions and performance. And so we get into kind of this confusion. And in fact, it's so funny. I come to this podcast today after a coaching session this morning. And it's as if this person wanted to be a model for <laughs> today. I mean, it was so obvious that they were struggling to really feel that they were making a difference in the sense they felt total overwhelm in this, all the information because they said, and, and questions like, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know when to make the decision. I, I, I don't know what to do. And, 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 you know, that point you made about, you know, self-esteem, you know, there was one line that one thing they said on the call today and they said, you know, I, I just don't know if I'm good enough. Mm -hmm. And it was just, you could see that this is impacting their whole esteem and the job. And of course, the reality is, when we were working, all the messages were like, you're doing an amazing job. You are holding things together in a way that other people are not. But this internal feeling was that, no, I'm not because there's so much more I could do and there's so much more information that I need, et cetera. So this is the problem is that, that enough, we never feel it's enough. We always feel that there's more. Oh, indeed. And it's, it's an illusion, isn't it? That yeah. more information is going to steady us and is going to make us confident and make us sure. Yeah. Now, sometimes that's true. Yeah. Sometimes we're lacking information, but yeah. many times that's anxiety talking, right? Absolutely. If I could just, yeah. if I could just get more data. If I could yeah. just ask one more question, if I could read one more book, if I could listen to one more podcast, huh? whatever hmm. the case may be. And at yeah. the end of the day, there's a real difference between having information and having insight. Yeah. They're not one and the same. I love that. I love that information and insight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Bridget, have you any other things that you see behavioral impact of this phenomenon in the workplace? You've really spoken to this, but I want to call it out again. And that is, I see a huge impact on my ability and my client's ability to be truly present in their day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's as if being present is sort of, I don't know, it's become, it's always been elusive, but I think it's even more elusive. I'm thinking of a client in particular who uh, told me that she, for like the last year, had never been on a single call. So this was during COVID. She'd never been on a single video call where she hadn't been working her inbox completely the entire time. You know, because and I said, so why are you doing that? And she said, if I don't, there is no way I'll keep up. And I have to be responsive. There's just no way. Anyways, I think that's a huge impact. And if we're not present in our day, we're really not living our lives. 
you know, and, and it's an interesting thing, the connection between being present and having memories. Mm. When we're not there for our lives, we don't, we don't have a memory of it yeah. in the same way. So I think that's a big deal. The paralysis uh, of analysis certainly can set in to where, you know, we don't really make the decision. We, we, like we were talking about, we feel like we need more data. And I want to turn to Friedman on this one because he was he had a lot at Friedman to say about this, mm-hmm. where he said, what's really going on there when leaders are putting off decisions is their anxiety has taken hold of them and they're looking for more information as a way to calm themselves. But yeah. the exact opposite happens. And so, you know, what he's taught is, look, there comes a point when you have to decide that you have enough information. And you've got to make that call. And here was his approach. And I think this is interesting. So he said he would stop seeking more information when the same question that he asked to different people, different experts, produced no new information. Then he knew that was it. So he was in the hospital for a very serious medical issue. And he was obviously talking to experts and lots of experts were weighing in on what should be done. And he said he approached his physicians as if they were like his cabinet and he was the president. So the president has their experts and we want our president to surround themselves with experts and consult them. But guess who has to make the decision? The president does. That's what he or she is elected for in our own lives. I think we forget this sometimes, right? That no expert, no single expert can replace that responsibility. And it's a lonely one that we as leaders have to sort through the information and ultimately decide. And we have to decide before we have all the answers almost all of the time. Yeah. And that's the, that's the dilemma, right? Yep. Absolutely. So that's what I've been observing. And of course, you know, we've already talked about the impact on self-esteem and and confidence and stress levels. So there's a mental health aspect. Mm. It's incredibly draining. Absolutely. Exhausting. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so tiring. Okay. So, so that's what we're dealing with. And so Irvin, let's share with our listeners some, some strategies. Cause of course we know it's not going to magically go away. I mean, th- we're going to wake up tomorrow and we're still going to produce how many newspapers do we produce yeah. with all of our stuff? <laughs> uh, we are going to produce six newspapers. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. oh my god! So as we think about this, maybe let's let's do it two ways. I want to suggest a few areas that we can manage, some techniques perhaps that we can use. But you know, we always like to look at things from a systems perspective, and I think this is a this is a perfect example. Of, and you've already mentioned kind of Friedman and some of that. But so why don't I just deal with some techniques and then maybe, Bridget, you can kind of look at this and put the lens out a little bit and from a systems perspective, what's going on here. But uh, one of the things that technique would be to cement your memory. So one of the things that's happening is that our short-term memory is overloaded. I mean, it can only take in so much. And so what happens is that our short-term memory becomes overloaded Nothing's processed into our long-term memory. And this is where the fog comes. We kind of shut down a little bit. And so what that means is we need to have little breaks. We need to have breaks during the day when we can kind of take in some of that information and then just let it settle in. And this is one of the problems. I mean, one of the things that I'm hearing, I'm sure you are as well, Bridget, is that 
you know, while COVID let us work from home, et cetera, what's happening is people have insane schedules that their meetings are back to back to back to back. No one's having lunch. I had a training session in Phoenix last week and I asked people to put their hands. How many people take a lunch break? Three people out of 52 <laughs> people present said they were. Three and so out of how many? Three out of 52 said they took a lunch break. And it was, it was a little bit of a badge of honor there. And I'm thinking, I, and I had to turn around to the group and I said, this is not good, folks. This is not good. <laughs> and and while, while the company probably appreciates the yeah. fact that you are doing this, this is not good. And so, so can we begin to build some breaks during the day where we're giving our minds some rest? It's, it's like, you know, the old proverbial thing, you know, you're thinking through a problem and your insight comes because you walk in the park or you take a shower. And of course, what's happening there is you're giving a break and, and dopamine right. is allowed to be released. You're like, oh, insight. And then the second thing is just be very conscious about task switching, you know, as much as we love to think that we can multitask, we really can't. And there's some great techniques out there. One of the techniques I use is called the Pomodoro technique, which really is splitting the day into 25 minute segments uh, with a five minute break. And you, you focus on one thing just for the 25 minutes, and then you come up for a break. And I have found I've become so much more efficient in using this technique than really the old you know, adage of, of going from thing to thing to thing. And I really try and shut down things, and I really focus on one thing. And I think you know people that are able to focus on one thing for longer periods become much more productive. So I think, you know, those are, those are techniques. And I think we, we have to have techniques and they all involve around creating discipline around the data, realizing that we are facing a monster that's not going to die. And so we've got to live with this monster. And the only way we can do this is by actually controlling what comes into us and creating breaks, et cetera. So I think that's important. So Bridget, from a systems perspective, what would you say? is in a, in a way to approach this? Well, I think, you know, we tend to look at information and decision-making as living solely in the rational domain. We've talked about how every organization, every family, every team has both a rational system and an emotional system. I think we look at, okay, well, we need to know what the facts are and let's gather the data and then let's make our decision. And we think of it solely as a rational phenomena. But as, you know, all of this information that we've shared so far shows, uh, it's deeply rooted in anxiety and anxiety is contagious. It affects our emotions. Our emotions affect the way we look at information and so forth. So I think from a leadership perspective, it's important to realize, one, that you can be overloading your own people with too much information and making them anxious, yeah. right? Yep. And you can ma be making people anxious if you're not aware of your own reaction to this information overload. In other words, when you feel this sense of overwhelm, do you just resort to the quick fix? Well, let's just do something. Or do you tend to be that person, as we kind of suggested, that says, let me have one more conversation. Let me ask one more question. Let me consult one more expert. Because... Each of us has a default tendency under pressure and stress. So know which one yours is. And I think that can help us to be thoughtful in, in kind of knowing where are we in this process of information? What is our relationship to it? Yeah. 
And do we have enough to make the call? Because at the end of the day, as leaders, that's what we are actually responsible for doing is making the call. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we recognize that Mm -hmm. doing that is heavily influenced by the amount of anxiety that is circulating within us and around us. So that's what came to mind. I love that. Yeah. Just really focus on how we're functioning through it all. And I think at times we do, we forget about how emotional this whole thing is and, and in dealing with that. And to be really be curious about why, you know, why, why do we need more information? What, what's driving that? And at times we don't. At times it's logical. Well, more information, I can make a better decision. But is that really what's driving it? And at times yeah. it's really, that's not what's driving it. Yeah, indeed. Well, so Irvin, you know, we always leave our listeners with a practice. And yes. I don't know, as I was listening to you, I tucked away already some things I'm going to try. But is there is there one more sort of core practice you would like to share? Well, this is a practice we actually talked about, I think, really in episode number one. And I think it's it, I think I want to adapt it a little bit for today because I think it's a beautiful practice for this. And it's called getting on the balcony. And what we mean by getting on the balcony is taking time just to step back and to observe yourself and the system around you with a lot of curiosity in order to be able to have more um, thoughtful action. And maybe some questions to think about that. So when you feel yourself overwhelmed and you're scratching your head, you know, where do I go from here? You know, ask questions like, you know, what's really going on here? What really is the core of my need for more information? And what am I anxious about? Mm-hmm. Now, so what's, what am I anxious about if I don't have this information? Is it that I might make a mistake? Is it that it'll show me in a bad light? You know, what, what's driving that anxiety and that need for information? And then how am I reacting to the pressures and stressors that I feel? And is my anxiety, my reactivity helping or hindering the situation? And then how can I remain calm in this system and pave way for clear thinking of everyone around me? And then a final question is, do I need to take a courageous stand? Because sometimes making a decision takes courage. And especially when you could say, oh, there's so much more information I can take in to actually say, you know, enough. We need to move to a decision and do, is this the time for me to take a courageous stand and make the decision? Mm, I love that. And, you know, that's such a great w- way to aim that practice of getting on the balcony because we won't be able to really see where we are in this process of dealing with information until we step back and up. Yeah. So that's great. I love that, Irvin. So, wow, what a great conversation. You know, this resuscitating ourselves from information overload is it's interesting because I guess I didn't really realize until you shared with me some of these statistics, just what a difference has occurred over the last couple of decades and how toxic this can be. We talk about toxic workplaces. I don't think people typically associate information overload with it, but it is, it has such a profound impact, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know? It's so benign. It's just information, but yeah. the impact is huge. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's huge. And we can do something about it. So that's the good news. And, and to our listeners, we hope you have found a nugget or two in this that you can use to do something about this. 
And if you do, share it with your team because they need help too. Everybody's under the same load, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So Irvin, what, what's on tap for next time? Well, it's interesting. We are actually going to look at uncertainty and from a different lens. We're going to look at the upside of uncertainty and we will discuss that in our next episode. Looking forward to that. That should be a very good one because uh, who isn't dealing with uncertainty right now in some form or fashion, right? Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Irvin. It's been great as always. Likewise, Bridget. Thank you so much to everyone for listening in. And hopefully you found this episode of value. As always, if you would like to share it with someone, I'm sure you're people in your circle who are saying, I just can't cope with it. I have so much. I'm bogged down in information. Said, ah, we have a podcast episode that might be really helpful. Please feel free to share it. All right. Take care, folks. Bye now. Bye.